Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good morning, welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. As we predicted yesterday, there wasn't really very much point in that virtual G7 meeting, hastily organised by our Prime Minister, uh, with a view to extending the deadline for US troops to leave the airport at Kabul and further abandon the people there to the delights of the Taliban and their punishment techniques. Yes, that's right, the best Boris Johnson could offer was a rather simpering hope that the Islamic fundamentalists might behave themselves so that they're recognised by the West. Some hope, some chance, and a colossal waste of time. Last night, President Joe Biden was no more encouraging as he reiterated America's intention to leave Afghanistan by Tuesday. It's not so much America first as everybody else, we don't really care. But even his spokeswoman couldn't actually say what time the deadline would be. Will it be midnight American time? Like, would it be midnight New York time? Will it be midnight Afghanistan time? Will it be midnight uh, Eastern Standard time? Would it be British summer time? We don't know. They don't know. They haven't actually worked it out yet. We'll be asking former soldier and now analyst for the Henry Jackson Society, Rob Clark, precisely what is going on. First up this morning, though, we're looking at the latest COVID statistics with Jamie Jenkins. He'll be telling us whether Nicola Sturgeon in Scotland and Mark Drakeford in Wales are actually right to warn of tighter restrictions coming in the autumn, as they say cases are surging again. We've heard it all before, of course. Are they just flexing their muscles? Are they just uh, willing to try and keep everybody locked down for as long as possible because they can't bear the idea of actually letting them have their freedoms back? More importantly for me, excess deaths in Britain are running at above average levels for the sixth week in a row. And these are people dying as a result of the coronavirus obsession in the NHS. And the majority of the deaths are from unknown causes. Yeah, that's right. Not from COVID. We keep hearing, oh, 600 people died last week from COVID. Well, that's no problem. 1,600 people die every day. So 600 is not even a portion of one day's number of deaths. We'll be getting from Jamie Jenkins the real truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. 0344-499-1000. Tonya Buxton returns to the studio this morning after being away in Cyprus for the last few weeks. I'm sure she'll look very happy and very healthy, but she's got some bad news for anyone hoping to travel there for a holiday because the restrictions are pretty grim. I have to say. Uh, And we'll be asking after the scrapping of hospital parking fees in Scotland why the NHS can't do the same thing for the rest of the United Kingdom. 0344 499 1000. Legendary producer Steve Lillywhite joins us as well for an appreciation of the Rolling Stones drummer Charlie Watts, who died yesterday aged 80. Steve, of course, produced one of their albums called Dirty Work uh, way back when. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. 
Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio, also available, of course, on television. Now, you would have heard yesterday Nicola Sturgeon up in Scotland back to her old ways, talking about dire consequences of not being able to control COVID properly come the autumn, dire consequences if people don't behave themselves and don't uh, act as if they've got COVID, dire consequences uh, if they don't lock down the economy and put on further restrictions. It looks as though Mark Drakeford might be trying to do the same thing over in Wales later on today. Um, But more important for me is a story in the Telegraph this morning which says this deaths in Britain are above average for the sixth week running as experts warn the cost of disrupted health care and lockdowns may be starting to show in the figures a total of 10,372 deaths in England and Wales were registered in the week ending August the 13th according to the Office for National Statistics put that up against the 600 deaths that we keep being told uh, are from Covid and you'll get a pretty good idea of how skewed uh, the rest of the media is because all they tell you about is the number of people that died from COVID. 10,372 versus 600. I mean, there's no contest, is there? Let's talk to Jamie Jenkins, independent statistician and political commentator as well. Jamie, very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Are you well? Yeah, very well indeed. Um, I'm fascinated uh, as to why we still keep getting this ludicrous menu of COVID statistics every single day uh, from various broadcast media, uh, particularly Sky and the BBC, who seem in, absolutely obsessed with telling us how many people are dying from COVID, how many people have been infected with COVID, how many people have been vaccinated against it. This is a far more interesting story that so many people are dying from unknown causes, clearly related to the obsession with COVID, uh, which is stopping anyone from being treated for anything else. And the point you're making, Mike, is this kind of thing that's been creeping up over the last few months. And I've started noticing in the data about five or six weeks ago. And and you're right. So what, what let me just explain to the to the viewers and listeners what we mean by excess death. Yeah. So you can look at the, the number of deaths in any given week or any given month or any given year. And then you can look at what the average level of deaths would be for the time of year. And, and throughout the first wave last spring and throughout the autumn and the winter, we did see this huge rise in excess deaths. And predominantly, that was mainly due to COVID. And I, I've been looking into the deaths figures around that period, and we can perhaps talk about those in a, a, a little bit. But let's focus on what's going on today. So the last few weeks, we've six weeks, we have been seeing excess deaths kick in again. And when we were seeing excess deaths during the peak of the, of the autumn and the winter and, and the spring, you know, the media were talking about this COVID, COVID, COVID all the time. Mm. But we are starting to see some unexplained excess deaths because when you go back to the the kind of the, the height of the pandemics, Mike, you would see this huge spike in deaths and it was mainly COVID. So you think back to, to kind of the height of the winter, we were seeing 1,300 deaths per day in the UK from COVID. It's around about 85 deaths at the moment. So the excess deaths, we're probably seeing just as many, if not more, excess deaths in the figures that cannot be explained by COVID. Mm. Now, you dig into the figures into a little bit more. This is where potentially the thing you've been championing for the last uh, few months, Mike, might be kicking in in that. If you look at the place of where these excess deaths are happening, we've seen now since last March, more deaths occurring at home uh, every single week. Now, this isn't just one week. This is every single week since last March. You're talking 18 months now at home than what you would expect. Since uh, kind of March time this year, we've seen fewer deaths than you would expect in hospital. So there seems to be people dying and maybe this unexplained because they're not going to hospital we see more people die from home and i think this is probably an element mike of people just too scared to still go to the nhs or the nhs isn't open for business because we're still not up to the capacity we had before the pandemic yeah but is it unusual for so many of the deaths to be put down to unknown causes 
Well, I think what the the newspaper headlines are saying, unknown causes, is because the the, the weekly figures that we get from the ONS they only talk about how many deaths there've been from COVID and just how many deaths overall. So I think we'll get in time we get the monthly figures from the ONS that talks about kind of death so in the next few weeks we'll probably get a better picture from that the reason I think the newspaper headlines are saying unknown causes is because each week we don't get the cause of death so we will kind of pick that up and what I've been looking at Mike in in, in the figures because uh, it's important to say there have been excess deaths from COVID there's excess deaths of them from other things and um, we've got a, a running total at the moment Mike about 156,000 deaths from the ONS uh, across the UK where people have had COVID-19 mentioned on the desk, so a huge number, uh, but we can break that number down, Mike. And I think that's overinflated. And let me explain to you why, uh, when you actually start breaking down into the data. Mm. So um, what we know is that uh, you basically get uh, a death that's registered, and then they might mention something on the death certificate. We know there's that 156,000. Now, for about 13% of them, Mike, um, COVID wasn't the main cause of death. So right. you can kind of exclude those. But I've been looking at the figures for this year, and remarkably, we're seeing fewer people dying from uh, dementia and Alzheimer's disease, right. fewer people dying from respiratory diseases. And what you could infer from that is that people who probably would have died anyway from these diseases are now being put yeah. in the COVID death because they tested positive for COVID. Well, so, particularly so when, you're looking, yeah, when you're looking at your statistical figures here, where you've got chronic lower respiratory diseases down 32%, um, 16% falling deaths from dementia and Alzheimer's, 53% lower on flu and pneumonia. That can't be because nobody's dying of those things, can it? No, I know. I think flu and pneumonia, Mike, the hygiene measures that control the kind of the pandemic, you would probably expect to see flu and pneumonia deaths coming down. We know we have we've had a little flu circulating in the last year, but these other causes of death, now dementia and Alzheimer's disease is the main cause of death in the country. And you wouldn't suddenly see this drop in dementia and Alzheimer's death. So I think what we're seeing, Mike, is the people who sadly would have died of these diseases anyway are in the COVID figures because they've tested positive for COVID. So, so I think the point I'm making here is that because you know, if you go back a few months ago, people were talking about, I think there was one day where there were zero deaths announced and that was on a, on a Monday where there's normal, normally low deaths. The point I'm making is that we're going to have to accept a level of deaths because COVID is endemic across mm. the world now. It's going to be in the country for you know forever probably. Yeah. And we're seeing people now who probably would have been dying of, of Alzheimer's and dementia diseases, for example, now dying with yeah. COVID. We're never going to get to zero, Mike. That's the point I'm well, making. Well, of course here. not. But also, Jamie, the thing that really grinds my gears is when you hear these experts, so-called experts on uh, various different outlets, whether they be radio or television, talking about, you know, well, it's all very well to say that more people die from other things than die from COVID, but you're still adding to the numbers of deaths because people are dying from COVID, which they weren't dying from before COVID existed. Well, up to a point, that's true, but it's not entirely true because you can't separate out everybody who died from COVID because they would have died of something else, as it were. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where the excess death figures are important, Mike. Because yeah. if we see deaths over and above average, which we did last spring and in the in the in the kind of the winter months, clearly an issue. Now the vaccine rollout's been a kind of a success for the government, I suppose, which has meant that if you look at deaths in relation to cases, Mike, they're ninety percent lower. Mm. They're relatively low to what they were before. Right. But nobody's talking. You don't see on, for example, on the BBC News headline, this, why are there excess deaths from other things? And, no. and it's, it's scandal is it's bound to be, Mike, that people are not getting the health care or they have not seen their GP for the last year, which has meant that, you know, conditions have transpired. It's too late to sort of save them. And we've got to have this now, I think, for many, many months going forward, Mike, of people dying of things unnecessary because of the obsession we've had, probably rightly at the start, 
but maybe not so much now of COVID, COVID, COVID all the time. Well, that's the problem. And, and it's also terribly misleading. And yesterday we saw Nicola Sturgeon, Jamie, talking up in Scotland about bringing in more restrictions possibly in the autumn because she's saying that um, that basically the, the number of cases is rising as rapidly as it was back in March. And in fact, uh, the number of infections is at its highest rate since March. What do you make of that? So interestingly, Mike, with with Scotland and Wales, obviously they, they eased their restrictions in August, whereas England went a little bit earlier on July the 19th when Boris delayed it from June. And if you track the kind of the cases across the country at the moment, they are going up fastest in Scotland and Wales. Yeah. Uh, and interestingly as well, Scotland and Wales do seem to have some kind of more restrictions. So I think you've got to have masks in, in places where you don't have to have them in England. They're relatively low in England at the moment. They're not increasing much. And the rates are very, I think the rates have increased a little in the southwest because mm. of a load of 15 to 19 year olds testing positive due to festival. So they are going up, Mike. But I think the important thing here is in Scotland, they started going up before the schools went back as well, because yeah. I think a lot of people are jumping on oh, all the schools have opened in Scotland and the schools aren't open in Wales as well. And I think what we might be seeing, Mike, is the backfire of Mark Drakeford in Wales has been saying staycations, everybody come to Wales to go on holiday. Yes. And we're probably because everybody's crammed in in places now where you probably because there's fewer places to go. We're probably seeing the effect of people not going on holiday abroad, increasing the COVID numbers potentially in Wales and Scotland. Mm. So that kind of policy is backfired. So I think what's been interesting, Mike, is what's going on in Germany at the moment. So they've announced this week that they're no longer going to be tracking COVID cases to decide if they want to put in restrictions, which is obviously Mark Drakeford and Nicholas Sturgeon are talking about. Revolutionary. Revolutionary. But I think what we've got, my, and this is my big concern this winter, I can just see the kind of, in about a month's time, you'll probably be back on the show because there'll be restrictions coming in in certain parts of the country. It's the NHS. And have anything been done to increase capacity for the NHS this winter? Because before the pandemic, Mike, in the UK, we had two and a half acute beds for every thousand people. In Germany, it's eight beds. In France, it's six beds. So, if you go back every single year, I, from what I can remember, like in my, you know, in my adult life, the NHS seems to have been in crisis with more and more. Well, it's always in crisis. Also, you can't find anyone who actually speaks for the NHS because there isn't anyone. There's so many people running it that nobody knows who's actually in charge. I mean, I don't know, for example, and then whether you do, uh, whether they've gone back to the normal spacing of beds in wards because we know for example they re they removed about a third of the beds at the beginning of the pandemic because they wanted social distancing which didn't actually work because people got covid more in hospital than they got it anywhere else so that was a waste of time but i bet you any money they haven't put those beds back in thereby increasing the capacity uh, for all sorts of different reasons no mike and that that is i think that is right they haven't increased the capacity because i i know that there were some incentives going out to health boards in England mm. to try and get capacity back to 95% of what it was pre-pandemic. And it's in part of the reason, Mike, why Sazia Javier, the health secretary, has been coming out talking about the fact that the NHS waiting times are going to continue to grow and grow and grow and go from what they are now, probably double and even more so. Yeah, but I mean, this is the guy who's the Secretary of State for Health. What the hell is he doing? Why is he standing there saying, oh, the waiting lists are going to get longer, it's all going to get worse? Why doesn't he fix it? Well, and, and that is the problem, Mike. We've got we've got this huge backlog of people who haven't gone to the NHS. Sadly, I've said before, I think people are going to die before actually getting the treatment on the NHS. And maybe that is what we start to see in the figures now, because there's no explanation for these excess deaths that are not COVID at the moment. And if we're going to continue to see deaths rising like this because of the backlog of the NHS, this is why, Mike, I think we've got to consider now what we didn't know last March is the impact of all of the kind of restrictions on lockdowns on, on everything else 
we've got 18 months worth of more evidence now. And if we ignore all of that and just, for example, follow a New Zealand model and Mark Draper and Nicola Sturgeon saying may bring restrictions in, I think it's madness to ignore everything we've learned since last March. Well, exactly right, because you and I have often said, Jamie, uh, the whole point of, of dealing with this problem uh, is to recognise that it is here, it is something that we're going to have to deal with uh, and live with. And quite frankly, if it was so brilliant that all these lockdowns were so good at working, then why are the cases going up again? Because you've still got plenty of restrictions in Scotland. There's still plenty of places you can't go without a mask on. So what the hell is the point of that? And you've only got to look at New Zealand now, Mike. They've had some of the toughest restrictions in the world. And, and they went into this snap lockdown. They've extended the lockdown because cases are continuing to rise. I think yesterday uh, they've had their largest daily rise since the start of the pandemic last March with all of these restrictions in place. And it basically, I think what we've learned, Mike, is this virus will get around. And it all comes back down to the vaccine rollout and people who've had prior infection. The, you know, the good news, Mike, I suppose, when you look at the figures is that with the cases we got at the moment, uh, deaths are 90% lower, people going into hospital are 80% lower. This isn't a, a new thing that's come on us like we saw last March. So why would we be looking at the NHS not increasing capacity this winter? I know you can't train staff overnight, Mike, but I think it would be very disappointing for the public if we go into any restrictions this winter, if the government has done nothing to prepare us for a kind of a surge the mail yeah. in the I mean, listen, I'm not giving the government a pass here, but certainly the Secretary of State for Health should be getting his, 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 his feet wet and his hands dirty. But it's the NHS that's the problem here, Jamie. But stay with us for a minute because we're going to take a little break and we'll come back and talk a bit more about the NHS in general, which is absolutely and utterly shambolic. As we found out yesterday with so many of you calling in to tell us stories of how you can't get to see a doctor, how you can't get into a hospital, how if you ever go into a hospital, it's completely deserted. If you ever go into a GP surgery, it's completely deserted. Meanwhile, uh, we're hearing about all these people who are dying from unknown causes, apparently, nothing to do with COVID, um, and in a way which is making the numbers rise exponentially for the sixth week in a row. Something's going on here, ladies and gentlemen. This is Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB+, and on the Talk Radio app. The Independent Republic of Mike Gray on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We're talking to Jamie Jen Jenkins, formerly of the ONS, independent statistician now, of course. I'm looking at uh, another story this morning, Jamie, in which it says NHS faces crisis uh, as doctors who put off retirement depart. Basically, they're making out that all these doctors who were going to um, retire during the pandemic uh, who didn't are now going to retire uh, because now the pandemic's supposedly over. So that'll be another crisis for the NHS to face. I mean, it just seems to me that there isn't anyone who's held accountable for the badly run sections of the NHS? Well, I think what I always find surprising, Mike, um, I used to head up the team of the ONS as well on kind of labour market employment statistics mm. as well, is that, and what you would normally do is if any business, and the NHS is a large kind of business, I suppose you could say, with the number of people it employs, yeah. you do some forecasts. So when you suddenly get, oh, we've running out of doctors or we've run out of nurses, mm. it just makes absolutely no sense because we know how many elderly people there are in the population. And one of the things that's kind of putting more strain on the NHS in recent years has been, you know, a good thing for, for humans is we're living longer. But when you live longer, it puts more strain on the kind of the NHS. But mm. it only puts more strain on the NHS if you don't plan for this. So to get this sudden story that people who are planning on retiring didn't retire are now going to plan on retiring well 
the question for me for the government is what the hell have you been doing for the last 10 right. years this isn't something that just happens overnight, Mike. These kind of issues. No, of course and, not. And it's just, it's just a scandal. Well, of course it is. I mean, we were speaking to some people yesterday about various different aspects of, of their experiences with the NHS. And one woman called in uh, to say that she had, a, I think, a relative who was a doctor uh, who was struggling because uh, so many doctors are now leaving GP practice to go and become locums because they get a thousand quid a day for doing it. Now, I don't really blame people for doing that. Um, but surely if you want to be a GP and you want to be a general practitioner and you want to help in the community, you don't just become a sort of gun for hire do you well that, that you know money talks i suppose mike and, and that's another it's, it's a huge problem with the nhs as well with regards to I, I know stories mike where people are working in the nhs they they leave their job they go and work then for kind of what would be a bank nurse go back to the same hospital probably doing the same job mm. on more money yeah but obviously somebody's taking a cut of all of this and it's our taxpayers money well it's the you agency know, what... business isn't it yeah, it's, it's all this agency thing. And, and people have said, well, good on them. I think get more money working for the agencies. But then there's a kind of the chicken and the egg problem you are here, Mike, because if you tell the agencies we're no longer going to use your people, they'll say, well, you're not going to be able to run the hospitals. But ultimately, if the NHS is the big demand of all of these agency people, if they say we're no longer going to take you, these people who are going to these agencies, getting all this extra money for that, and then the private sector taking a cut out of mm. it, that can't happen, can it, Mike? Well, that's the problem. But as I say, the biggest problem, I think, in the NHS in this country, certainly in England, is that there isn't anyone that you can go to and say, why can't you fix this? Because there's all sorts of people in the way. There's tens of levels of, of management. There's all sorts of, uh, you know, um, instructing uh, instructions being given out by 85 different people. And everyone I know that works in the NHS, particularly in hospitals uh, or in clinical kind of uh, situations, says it's an absolute shambles. They order stuff they don't need. They've got, you know, cupboards full of stuff that they've ordered that's been sitting there for so long it's out of date you know nobody's forward planning nobody knows uh, what's going on uh, and it will be once again another another disaster come the winter and, and they're the kind of things you've highlighted I, I had a friend who worked in the nhs on procurement and he was talking about you know come the end of the financial year can we load order and load of new desks so that we can use the finances up for this financial year if we looked at all of this money and all of this waste it's going to add up to a large number which you know the nhs sucks a lot of taxpayers money already mike and, yeah. and i think the thing just on the gp thing that you've been talking about for for the last uh, well not just few months probably for the last year now mike is that I think there's been this switch towards if you're lucky enough to get a telephone call back or a, or a face to face is, is very rare now and getting a video uh, call back. What that is, I was reading a blog from a GP and obviously putting being a statistician, this is just one blog. You know, I'm not saying this is representative of all GPs, but it does resonate with what you were talking about, where they were saying the surgery would normally have been full of people over the age of 75 in normal times. And they would pick up all of these kind of illnesses that will need urgent treatment and things. They're not seeing any of those anymore. They're not getting they're not coming to the surgery because they can't get in and they're less likely to want these phone calls and or kind of video things because of the technology side of things. So. The, the numbers, Mike, that we started the interview talking about with more and more people dying and they kind of, we say unexplained because they're not COVID for the time of year. It is probably because people aren't seeing their GP. They're then ending up kind of very late, either being rushed into the hospital and then they're sadly dying. And, you know, the, the, the GP system is a massive overhaul. You know, I think you've been highlighting, Mike, the issue that they're paid per number of patients, yeah. not how many you see. And if that's probably where we need to start the kind of radical overhaul of the NHS. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Jamie, great to talk to you as ever. Thank you very much indeed. Jamie Jenkins, independent statistician, political commentator. You should read his blog as well, uh, because as he says, the number of people who would have died from dementia 
and Alzheimer's disease and chronic respiratory diseases are now apparently being counted as COVID deaths because they're all down. Every single one of those areas is supposedly down percentage-wise year on year. So what you know about that is that, you know, of course people are still dying from dementia and Alzheimer's disease, um, but they're being put down as COVID deaths, and that's not right, is it? The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 
I'm a little bit upset with myself because I got vaccinated mm. through coercion yeah. and I'm annoyed with myself yeah. for it. Yeah. Because actually now looking at all the statistics and everything that's coming through, it doesn't make a blind bit of difference. Well, I'm hearing a lot of stories now about people who have been vaccinated but who also got COVID. But also you carry up from, from the studies that just came out recently, you carry a stronger viral load if you have been vaccinated. Mm. So you're more likely to give it to someone if you have been vaccinated than if you're not. Yeah. Especially if you've got your own natural immunity. I think so, the problem for me is not so much the certainty of knowing one way or the other. It's the uncertainty, actually, that the government are not really telling us that. The government are making out that you must do this because it's the right thing to do without really convincing us scientifically that it's, it makes a difference. But it's not the right thing to do. It's mm. the right thing to do. The thing is about this whole coronavirus thing that's happened is that we've been told that everyone is at the same risk. Yeah. And this is Which an is out clearly and not out true. lie. Clearly it's a lie. True. If you are of... Um, growing age so you feel old 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 i mean the, the average age of death is still 82 it's let's still not 82, forget it's not yeah. changed well the two the two the two biggest factors that will cause you to die from covid are weight and age right that's right absolutely and if you have some other comorbidities mm. as, as well so that they're the two big things so if you're young and you're fit then th this virus doesn't affect you mm. i mean the flu virus and swine flu and all these other ones that killed children and young mm. people i can understand the kind of hysteria yeah. around them but it does but affect some young people it's not right to say it doesn't affect any no. it does affect some but i would like to know from the government why is it that some people are affected worse than others? And that's the information that we need. Yes, isn't it? absolutely. I, I think you're completely right there. Mm. I mean, my whole family, we've all had uh, COVID and um, and I saw the way it affected the young, the younger ones. And it was, you know, it wasn't nice. They lost their smell. They lost their taste buds for some of them for quite a long period of time. Um, luckily, my lot got theirs back. I, I know of a younger who still hasn't got her taste and smell yeah. back, which is, you know, it's quite life altering. It really uh, is. Not yeah. to get that back. But it, it's not life altering enough to 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 cause psychological and mental damage to the rest of the world no. because or they've to got say to be to locked down. Else, you can't go to a restaurant because absolutely. one person can't taste any of the food. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I mean it's just it's just not a, a reason enough to lock down the world in the way I have and and seeing what I saw in Cyprus I was I'm still shook by it. I'm, right. I'm, I'm, yeah, tell I'm, us what yeah. that was like. So Cyprus, you know, it's, it's my motherland. My parents are there. I've been f trying to get back there for a while. Yes. Um, and I got back and my parents are diminished. They are absolutely diminished. Are I, when I, when I, I mean, I burst into tears when I saw my dad. Mm. He is, he is a shadow of the man he was, and it's purely because of lockdown, and it's yeah. purely because he hasn't managed to see his children and his family. He fell down, hurt himself. No one, we, we would have been on the plane the next day. He yes. ended up having to have a hernia operation, which you know he needed somebody else to help him there. We yes. couldn't get there and back because at that, at that sort of age, it becomes difficult, doesn't it? Any really kind of procedure. Difficult. But it, it, but it, it's just I think the fear of it all has mm. has caused him to become. A, a shadow of a man and and I am so angry about it because it's so unnecessary yes. what's happened to my parents has been so unnecessary and, and the draconian measures in Cyprus are outrageous mm. so in Cyprus now they are a show your papers state right. you cannot go to the supermarket to buy a pint of milk unless you have an, a negative PCR test within three days or a vaccine so what you have passport. to keep taking a test just to go to the shops yes every three days that's mad isn't absolutely it? every three days and um, the government there are disgusting I don't know why they're behaving mm. in this way they are vile both the government and the opposition they're all the same yeah. rubbish as far as this I'm is concerned. the trouble isn't it because as much as we moan and groan in this country there are places in Europe in other parts 
of the world, which were a lot worse. Absolutely. And I wonder, you know, there's a lot of um, international investment in, in Cyprus from different countries. And I wonder whether that's got a lot to do mm. with it. Are, are they being bullied or, yeah. you know, they're doing it for money. They're sold. They've and sold what's the their, And what's their kind of rate of infection and all of that? I it's mean, low. It's be, really I mean, low. It's quite a small population anyway. It's a small anyway, population. It? It's really low. And the problem is, is that the, the Cypriot government, the people are already on their knees. Imagine the business, the money they've mm. lost, the shops, the it's a tourist Does island. Does it look quite quiet in a lot of the places It was really were. quiet. It was yeah. very quiet. Um, but the, the, the people of, of Cyprus would normally stand against this, but they're kind of getting them where it hurts. And, and they've got all these COVID marshals that are going around fining them. Mm. So they're being heavy handed themselves, which completely ruins everything. So you, 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 you know, you go to walk into a shop and, you know, you can't breathe. It's 40 degrees heat. It's super, super hot. Yeah. And, um, you know, you have to put a mask on to go into the shop. You have to. And, and, as the shop assistant said, look, we don't want to wear them. We don't want you to wear them. But if a COVID marshal sees you, you'll get fined personally yeah. for not wearing. But we will get a thousand euro fine. Mm. For, so they're hardly earning any money. Mm. And they're having to deal with these these fines. They've right. still got ridiculous only 10 people at a table uh, in restaurants. There. Yes. I mean, it's stupid, stupid rules that prove nothing. Do not, you're sitting outside right. in a restaurant right. and only 10 people are allowed to sit around the mm. table. And it's, it's madness. It's like the crazy business in Scotland. You know, um, Laura, who was very kindly filling in for you while you were away, uh, Laura Dodsworth was up in Scotland and she said it was dreadful. It was a bit like going to another completely separate kind of authoritarian state yeah. because you had to wear masks everywhere inside. So, you know, and if she refused to do so, she was given, people were actually saying things to her because she wasn't wearing one. Um, you've also had the ludicrous aspect of uh, Nicola Sturgeon at one point and her health advisors saying to people running nightclubs, like my friend Donald, um, well, you can open the nightclub, but you'll have to wear a mask while you dance. Oh, they managed to get just... rid of that one because they actually proved that it was dangerous. People could actually pass out yeah. or, or have some kind of episode. They then said that you can't drink standing up, that you'd have to go and get your drink at the bar, but not allowed to drink it until you sit down. So basically banned vertical drinking. You're kind of going, what's wrong with you? And you know, what is wrong with you? It's, and aren't we seeing it's just about control? Yeah. It's just about control. None of this has got to do with uh, a virus because none of this works. And the whole, the, there's even more data out today about how ma the ineffectiveness of masks. Mm. So they just need to be completely banned. You know how I feel about yeah. the disposable ones and what they've done to the earth and the pollution yes. and, you know, two billion well, of these being fished Well, these blue ones in the particular have been now targeted by two separate studies. And largely because people don't know how to wear them properly, they're not very good. But they're not very good, even if you wear them yeah. really properly. Yeah. I mean, they're not they're not fit for purpose. No. You know, you've got one mask. I've had it in from yesterday. I'll stick it on today. Mm. I might even wear it next week. I mean, it's just rubbish. Mm. And the, the cloth ones, the, 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 the fibres are so loosely stitched, mm. they'll do absolutely nothing. Yes. So it's just, they've just got to, I think they should be banned. Mm. They should be banned. And See, I wouldn't go as far as that, but you're very welcome to have that opinion. I would say, I, if you want to wear a mask, I don't really care. I think it looks a bit weird. Um, I don't particularly want to talk to you because I can't see you properly, you know. Um, but, Mike, but I see more and more people now not bothering to wear them at all. You know what's happened during this this corona is, uh, time is that, you know, we were all trying to stop um, single-use plastics. Mm. So single-use masks should be banned. They are plastics. Yeah. So that, that I believe that they should be banned. And if you want to have that theatre of virtue signalling and wear a mask, then wear a cloth one, yeah. which does nothing anyway. We well, see just all do these it. idiots from Extinction Rebellion knocking around town. They're all oh, wearing masks. Of course they are. You know, I mean, even though they want to save the planet. It's the hypocrisy. It's the I think it's the hypocrisy that makes me ill. Yeah. Because 
I, and I have to keep saying this when I come on, I have no agenda, Mike, apart from being a working mother, trying to, to do the best by my children yeah. and my family. Yes. That's why I'm here. I have no political party. Mm. I have no one sponsoring me. I've got no one giving me money. Nothing like that right. is going on. I'm just here as a working mother for the best of for my family. Yes. And, the and, how, is, and how are the family? Did they have a good break in Cyprus? Was it stressful for them going or no, coming back I mean, or anything like uh, that? you know kids are a bit more resilient than us in yeah. certain things and they but and they're more well they put up with stuff they put up with stuff but i think the thing is is because i absolutely lose it i yeah. i can't i've become a different person during this time mm. you know i've become so cross at hypocrisy yeah. and so cross at stupid rules i mean i can't my mental health will not allow me to put a mask on my face mm. and yet here i was having to go to places in cyprus you know if my friend's got a shop i'm going to put a mask on yeah. i don't want them to get the fine they won't let you have an exemption for, no, for no the reasons exempt. that you can here for example no no and no, that's awful no exemptions then. over there yeah no that's exemptions. awful isn't it because it at least here you can go look i'm sorry i don't wear a mask i mean i, I was similar to you when they uh, i don't know if you heard about this but sadiq khan was trying to make it a criminal offence not to wear a mask on the tube. This is after the masks were ruled to be no longer legally required. What's wrong with that man? I What's don't know. What's wrong with that man? He, there is something yeah. mentally wrong I with know. him. I Absolutely. know. He wanted to make it a criminal offence. because. So I, I hadn't used the tube for a long time. And I was concerned that if I went on the tube without a mask, there would be some bozo you yeah. know, trying to make me put one on. But absolutely not. So the tube is now a free for all, you know. So we're about half the people wear masks and half the people don't. Yeah, I, you know, I was which on I, it this which morning. I quite like. Yeah, I like um, that. What what never ceases to amaze me is is the kind of um, the the champagne socialist. Yeah. So I've been popping into. Um, Hampstead, there's a, a bakery there that I go into, yeah. and it's my old manor, Hampstead. They, they, oh, I love where it. I grew up. Oh, I wish I could have grown up in Hampstead. Well, yeah, anyway, but it wasn't expensive <laughs> in those days. It was kind of bohemian yes. in those days. But um, and everyone's wearing masks apart from me, and I'm looking around and I'm asking them, may I ask you why? Why are you yeah. still wearing a mask? Copy of the Guardian and they go because because I'm I, I'm I'm protecting you. I said, well, don't you worry about protecting yeah. me. Uh, you know, I'm I'm more concerned it's that you fine. look sinister with your face right. covered up. You exactly. know, I I, I just cannot cope with it anymore anyway going back to Cyprus, i was watching just, baby driver and if you've seen that film yes um which my son recommended to me and we were watching it together um and one of the opening scenes the guys go in to rob a bank they put masks on yeah and i was actually looking at going now there you go yeah. that's what used to be the case you'd put a mask on because you were about to rob a bank exactly and not because you were going into a supermarket absolutely i completely you know? agree with that yeah weird so, so there's two other things i really want to talk to you about yes um the first is um I, I know it's difficult to get out to countries, mm. but countries like Cyprus, for example, are on their knees yeah. and they are so welcoming of tourists. And the British tourist normally goes to Cyprus in September and October. Yeah. So I, on behalf of the people of Cyprus, not the government of Cyprus, yeah. I appeal to you to have a think about going because their hotels are empty in September, October. They're really missing their British yes. tourists. And Well, I might take a little trip there in um, October then. Please do, Mike. Oh, Honestly, they really need people to go there. I'm so worried about my friends that have small boutique hotels and restaurants and cafes and stuff. They're on their knees. Mm. I don't know what's going to happen there. And and, and everywhere. Where and the season has, will be coming to an end soon. Presumably, it will be. Right? I mean, luckily, Cyprus has a really long season because yeah. it stays hot a really long time. I mean, the Greek islands, whatever, start to get too windy come the end of August. Yes. So they their season's ended, ending, but that's the Cypriot season is going on. So if, have a think about mm. going there. The other thing I want to talk about are these tests. Yes. And I had the most awful experience with a company called Randox. Yes. 
who... They're the uh, villains of the piece. These are the same people who had allowed all of those tests not to be collected. You might have seen the pictures yes, a couple of weeks them. ago yeah. in the Daily Mail where there were these drop boxes in London. People were going there, putting their tests um, in this drop box, but it was so um, useless, the system, that they hadn't collected any. So there was a pile of them, probably 30 high, above this drop box. Now, at least it's a COVID uh, um, uh, risk, isn't it? Absolutely. People but... have given their tests, put them in these things, and now they're just piled up. They are just raping people for money. Mm. And what happened with us, and this is my experience yeah. of, of this company, Randox. So please boycott them if you can. This is just my opinion. Yeah. This is what they did to my daughter. My daughter was on, on, on the fo on, online and she clicked, because um, I was coming a couple of days before her and right. the rest of the family. So she clicked and got the day two... Uh, tests for me and my other daughter mm. and then she went back in to get another four so this is before you went or is it no this is coming, coming back. back this right. is coming back so she, we're in cyprus she's clicking mm. these things you can't get into the country unless you show that you've bought these tests because right. it's all this lovely money making venture isn't yeah. it's great you know it doesn't matter and if then you've they had... said we're going to stop these cowboy companies and then they knock 20 quid off it's like well it's that's still outrageous. about 80 quid right well so to get these four tests, there was some discount going. So Sophia clicked again and got four tests at the cost of £200. Okay. She, the, two, the bits that you click on online were right next to each other, and she straight away realised that she'd clicked the wrong one. It was the pre-flight test, not the not day the two test. Back, right. So she immediately called them. Right. It took her 25 minutes to get through on the phone, right. and she explained to someone what she'd done. It's the same amount of money. We're right. not asking for money back. Can no. you just swap the reference number? Yes. Can we just please have a reference number? Otherwise, we can't come into the country right. to make it a day two test. Yes. And the woman said no unbelievable Sophia said but why and she and they said no we can't do that sorry so Sophia who's very upset she's my money that mm. she's when it started crying on yeah. the phone saying look I'm really really upset by this I made a mistake I clicked the wrong button they're right next to each yes. other I'm not asking Easy for any money back please can you just give me a reference and send us the, the mm. day two test rather than this and the woman said no we can't and I'm going to hang up on you now so that's what they did that's right. what they do so not only are they taking all this money not only are they you know flooding mm. the world with plastic that we don't need because all these tests are plastics mm. but they had a young girl crying on the phone all they needed to do was change that and they unscrupulously hung up on her while she was crying and a lot of these companies as well uh, have been apparently putting you know sort of new company names in order to be first in, in, in on the google search right so they're calling themselves AAA1 company so that they can be the first company that people see so that people go with them other people that were calling me weeks ago saying we've ordered these tests we've got home and the tests haven't arrived and we've called the government and the government say um well you just get another test well what we have to pay for another one exactly i mean it's been a complete shambles well it's quite interesting because i was listening to some people um on the radio the other day who were saying that they um they just didn't send back they got the tests because they wanted to get back into the country and you can't get back into the country without them um and they just didn't send them back they haven't sent them back, and that this is from uh, a month ago. Right, and there were nobody, nobody's chased them. No, so they got the test. They're just sitting in their hallway, and they were just curious to know whether there would be any follow-up. So they have not sent them back, right. and and uh, nothing, nothing. We had a, a woman in, in touch with us who had come to I think Britain from Gibraltar for the weekend. Um, had taken, had ordered a test because she was going to be getting a day two test, but the test didn't arrive. Right, and and she went home. To Gibraltar. She got a phone call from Test and Trace saying uh, that she had been somehow pinged because she'd been in the company of somebody who had um, positive uh, COVID tests. And she said, you do realise I'm not actually in Britain anymore. And they didn't even know. They didn't even know that she had flown back to Gibraltar. So where's the record keeping? It's a it, shambles. It's, it's a, all the money that's going into these things needs to go into fixing Britain yeah. because we are broken. We are. I mean, So much of still walking around London, you see 
the place is just closed. Somebody sent me a picture of Rickmansworth High Street up in north, uh, sort of north London, Hertfordshire. Yeah. Completely deserted. Looks yeah. like a ghost town. Looks like a movie set. Yeah. All the shops are closed. Nobody's allowed to park there because there's parking restrictions. There's nothing. You can't go anywhere. And they're, 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 all those shops, they're, they're families. They're, they're mothers, all small they're shops. They're fathers, yeah. they're, they're kids. Who is going to support these mm -hmm. people? We need to spend this money on the tracing and all this testing, which is just completely unnecessary. Yeah. And everyone's ignoring it. We're just doing it because we have to. Yes. You know, no one's taking this seriously. If we were so worried about mm. COVID, if it was so bad, don't you think we'd, we'd well, listen, be worried about it? I mean, it? since you've been away, children. the football season started, right? There are yeah. football uh, matches going on, Premier League matches every day, every week. 65,000 people, 50,000 people, 40,000 people. Nobody's taking any tests. You know, how can you now then say in September, oh, well, everybody's going to have to take a vaccine passport to get into a nightclub? It's ridiculous. It's completely I went ridiculous. to the cricket. Absolutely no restrictions whatsoever. No mask wearing, 35,000 people at Lord's. Brilliant day out. It was fantastic. You know. And what about going back to school now? Do they want the kids to be Well, they're already now listen? saying there no might way. be uh, individual local authorities. The, the government is not saying they need to be tested, but individual local authorities may, may order testing to be done. And so there's now talk of, uh, you know, delaying the opening of schools. I mean, it's nonsense. It's complete nonsense. nonsense. Our children have suffered so much. They need to go back, see each other, mix, socialise, have a life. It's just got to stop. Mm. And one of the people that are trying to help this stop are this fantastic group called the Together Campaign. Yes. Um, and just to say that they are launching a, a huge campaign against digital passports, yeah. any any form of kind okay. of ID passports. Well, we must get them on here. It's absolutely. Yeah. Um, Alan Miller is uh, the guy that's organising and doing it all, and we're launching today at three o'clock. Okay. Um, please could everybody look out and retweet and Well, I saw something on Twitter manifest. last night from, yeah. from Dr. Renee, yeah. um, so I'm going to keep an eye on all of that, and, and we'll get somebody on and um, we, the show we, tomorrow. We right? need this to stop because we know that these vaccine passports don't work mm. they, they don't work whether you've had the vaccine whether you haven't had the vaccine it makes no difference you can have a stronger viral load if you're vaccinated not vaccinated what is it leading to yeah. it's leading to um id passports now pre-covid i was like yeah i'll have one of those well yeah. i've got nothing to hide i'm yeah. not a criminal but in the sinister manner that our governments have behaved yes. now i i don't want one no literally i would no. i was one of the, i was one of those people going What's everyone's problem? Well, yeah, they must, I didn't really have they a must be criminals, with, with mustn't ID they? Because cards, they yeah. don't want to. But because seeing the way our government behaved towards mm. us and this Corona Act must end in September. Yeah. My MP, Mike Frears, is a particularly unpleasant man. And if you send him an email objecting to anything or raising concerns or anything, he sends you a really nasty email back. Does you know? he? Yeah, in a really kind of condescending mm. manner. He's not on Twitter, so you can't communicate with him there at all. No. Um, I'm saying right now, the MP for Finchley, Mike Frears, I do not, and no one I know in Finchley wants to continue the Corona Act. So in September, you better vote against it mm. because I voted you in. Right. And you need to do as I tell you. Our MPs are not doing what the public want. They're not. They're, they're doing whatever they want. Mm. And it's all about keeping power and control yes. of us. I mean, I'm hopeful that there's enough people in the Tory party who will vote against it, that it won't so. actually be put up. Um, and I think even Labour might go against it as well, just because they're not sure what they're doing. But here's a question for you to finish up. Have they got COVID in Afghanistan? That because it doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like it, does, does it? it? it Nobody's doesn't, mentioned doesn't, it. I no. mean, there's a proper emergency. There, People are actually at risk of being killed yep. by these ghastly individuals calling yep. themselves the Taliban. And we're piling all these people onto planes. Bringing them you over. You know, bringing them all over to all sorts of places. They're going yep. to Qatar. They're going to the UAE. They're going to Dubai. They're going to Germany. They're going to Britain. Going Some are going to America. Nobody's asking them to take a test, are they? No. Nobody's I... asking them to prove that they've had the vaccine. Because you know what the vaccine rate in Afghanistan is? 0.6%. Absolutely.
So doesn't that just prove that it's all a load isn't, of rubbish? Isn't that interesting? Isn't it? Very, I'll leave you very with that thought. Thank you, Tonya. Great to see you back, and mm -hmm. we'll look out this afternoon for the launch. Yes. Uh, of this uh, freedom. The situation. What's together, it it's the Together Declaration. So, together Declaration. We are together with the Together Declaration. We'll cover it here at Talk Radio, the home of common sense. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, we've not spoken for a while, so I'm delighted to say time to say a very, very good afternoon to Mr. Steve Lillywhite. Steve, how are you doing? I'm very, very well, thank you, Mike. And, and you're looking bad. You've had a haircut. Well, no, I've, I now have hair and makeup. Would you believe um, we do this thing now called Talk Radio TV? So every morning I get in, especially early, uh, and they spend hours working on me, trying to make me look halfway decent. Um, it seems to and be you... working. <laughs> yeah, you look great. You look great. Now, listen, how's life in uh, in um, Indonesia in Jakarta? Are you still there? Well, actually, I've moved to Bali. Oh, have I'm you now? In, in, yes, because you know, uh, Why I'm not? pretty much. Pretty much retired, semi-retired, right. and uh, Bali is a great place. And uh, and yes, I'm um, I'm having great fun here. And it's funny, uh, yeah, the Rolling Stones. I I always say I produced the worst ever Rolling Stones album <laughs> until the one that came next right. afterward. Right now, the Rolling Stones. To be honest, they I don't think no one remembers anything. Recent from the Rolling Stones, but they're an, they're an incredible um, institution now, and 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 there's none more really than Charlie Watts, mm. who is the was the definition of a gentleman. Honestly, he he absolutely was the well. That photo isn't very gentlemanly, but um, <laughs> in general, he he was he was the you know the gentleman drummer. He was not ever into rock and roll. He was always into jazz. He never was really a fan of the Rolling Stones. Mm. He was, you know, um, yeah. And 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 he. And one of his famous quotes was, "Being in the Rolling Stones is five years work and twenty years hanging around." Yes. Now, I, I've multiplied that up, and it's worked out at twelve and a half years work and fifty years hanging around. Yes, and that's pretty. And I would say even more hanging around than he actually did because towards the end they didn't work so much. So mm. uh, he had a great life and, um, and 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 was a great drummer, to be honest. Well, he certainly was. And I mean, interestingly, I was reading some bits this morning about him, and he only really got into rock and roll kind of by accident. He went and uh, and took, did an audition for Alexis Corner, I think, and he thought that he had a jazz band because he didn't really know what rhythm and blues was. And then he turned out right. to be playing in one of those West London clubs, I think, where Rod Stewart was hanging about and he met Keith Richard and, and, and Mick Jagger. Uh, but but what was the dynamic like when you did the album with them? Because you, you hear all the time that he's kind of, you know, the meat that uh, or the, the bones that hold it all together. Um, was that how you felt it was? Yeah, there was only one man in the band that Keith would would um, would listen to and, and would would want his approval, and mm. that was Charlie. Right. You know, not really even Mick, not when I was working with them, but, you know, if Charlie gave the okay, that was good enough for, for, for Keith. Yeah. And Keith was very much the leader of the band, but 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 behind the leader, they, you know, he was, was almost, you know, Keith is the youngest, Charlie at that time was the second oldest. I think Bill Bill Wyman was older than him. Yeah. But, but he, I mean, the funny story, I mean, I, I would... You know, when you're in the studio, you would say to the drummer sometimes, oh, could you tune your snare drum up? I think maybe for this song, we'll have a bit more of a of a crack sound yeah. or 
maybe if you if you detune the drum, you have more of a doof sort of sound. And he right. goes, Steve, do whatever you want. Really? He says, not yet. He had no interest in anything about that. He would just, my job is just to do the playing. Right. He said, I'll do the play. If you want to make the drum sound like a, you know, whatever, that's fine by me, which was very unusual because I had been used to drummers who were, you know, very much involved in what sort of sound they should have for the song. He didn't really. It was nothing, mm. not really part of his world. Yes, you know? interesting. I was reading the other thing, the other story that a lot of people were telling yesterday was the one uh, where he once punched Mick Jagger. And I think it was quite early on in their careers because he'd heard that Mick at some point or other had shouted, where's my effing drummer? Um, uh, and he said, yes. I'm not I'm not your drummer. Don't ever call me that again. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and, and another great quote is that he said, you know, Mick's not really a very happy person. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do, is... you do get the sense that they all kind of tolerated him, don't you? Because, I mean, I've read Keith Richards' book and, and Keith's always yeah. gone, you know, it's my band. He's just the guy that sings at the front. Yeah, well, to be honest, I think Mick would love to be able to, to make a living without the Stones. But, yeah. you know, everything he's done outside of the band has really not been that successful. No, it's never been and, very and good, there is it? certainly something amazing when, when they all get together. Mm. And when I was working with them, you know, one moment they sounded a bit like a youth club band, but then just some little thing would click and all these cogs would start turning. Yes. And you've got this, you know, I mean, the song Harlem Shuffle, you know, they did a, a a beautiful version of that. Yes. You know, admittedly, it wasn't their own song, but, you know, it's still... It yeah, but they kind of made it their own song, didn't they? They did. They did. They 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 did a great version of that. And that was the big hit off the album mm. I did. Because, I mean, the great yeah. thing for, for, for me about bands, and you've worked with so many of the great bands, is that as soon as you hear a song, you know who it is. You know, you two have got that, you know, in the same way that when you hear The Edge playing the guitar, you know it's him. When you hear Keith yeah. Richard playing a riff, you know that it's him. And when you hear Mick yeah. Jagger singing, you know that it's him. And funnily enough, I came in this morning um, and we're just next door to Virgin um, Radio. Chris Evans was just playing loads and loads of Rolling Stones songs. And you, and you almost forget how many great songs they've done. Oh, they, they were brilliant. But, you know, brilliant until, you know, I'm probably not been brilliant for the last 25 years. No, probably but, not. I mean, I don't even know whether I've listened to any album they've put out, really. Um, no. Since probably this century, I don't think. <laughs> well, exactly. And then, well, this century is 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, probably haven't had much since since the, the, the mid 80s. Yes. But um, no, look, they are. And what I what I love about Charlie is the fact that he was a, a great collector of vintage cars, but he never passed his driving test. Is that right? So all, all he would ever do would just go and sit in them and be full of joy and wonder at these wonderful, wonderful uh, pieces of um automobiles wow. yeah amazing i've got amazing. a great message actually here from a guy called graham is a listener who says r.i.p charlie watts i'll never forget our chat on my british airways flight i met him at the bar at mexico city airport waiting for our flight to old blighty in january 1995 he got me upgraded to first class the stones were on tour in latin america and he was flying back to england as one of his horses was ill he was a lovely man yeah i mean no, that's a very unusual yeah. story about a rock star isn't it yeah, well, he wasn't a rock star. He was a, you know, he was in a rock band that became successful, but I don't think he ever saw himself as a rock star. Mm. You know, he was a jazz musician at best and, a, and an absolute gentle man. Yes. You know, the real definition of a gentle man. Absolutely. I saw them uh, when they did the Tattoo You um, 
um, tour, which I think was about 1982. Um, I saw them at Wembley Stadium and I had a friend who'd seen them quite a lot over the course of time. And he said, well, you'll be very disappointed because they're rubbish live. And, and they weren't great, to be honest, but it didn't really matter because it was the Rolling Stones and it was an event. Well, as I as I just explained a couple of minutes ago in the studio, they could sound like the worst youth club band. Mm. But then when something clicks, that little piece of magic, which it did a lot of the time, you know, maybe when you saw them, it didn't click. And in the studio, it wasn't that they were bad, but but there were things I mean, I, I could I, at one point I saw Keith Richard kicking Ronnie Wood up the backside because he was missing cues. <laughs> he was literally coming in at the wrong time and you could see you could hear it. Yes, it's it's very um, uh, it's very difficult to mess up satisfaction, which literally goes dan dan da 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 da, you know. Right, it really is. I mean, I, I mean, they're still supposedly doing a tour. Charlie had pulled out of doing it, obviously, because he wasn't particularly well. But they didn't they didn't expect it to to end like this. But but I mean, I'm not sure people want to see the Rolling Stones anymore live, do they? Oh, they look. If people buy tickets, they'll do it. Mm. That's the thing. And and the great thing about the Rolling Stones life, they do still don't use technology. Yeah. They maybe have one or... I don't know if your listeners are aware. There's a lot of these bands now play to a click track, which is like a metronome. Yeah. Because that metronome will trigger all the fancy visuals. And, and there's not much that's different from night to right. night with most bands. Yes. With the Rolling Stones, they don't do that. They still play as a band. So that's why sometimes you get a great performance and sometimes you get, you know, it doesn't quite work. Mm. Where, you know, so you... Are you saying they've still got that little bit of paper they stick to the microphone, like those old pictures you see of Bowie with his, uh, yeah. with his, with his set in front of him? Well, you know, because Charlie never used to wear headphones that often. Right. And it's that dead giveaway. When a drummer wears headphones, you know in his headphones there's a tick, 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 tick allowing telling him how to play along charlie never did that right and the band never did that they were truly a, you know still are a great rock and roll band now whoever they get in is has you know got a uh big shoes to fill yes. but well you, you know, just i mean we've seen we've still... seen this before haven't we when when keith moon died and the who brought in um uh, Kenny, Kenny, what's his face? Kenny Jones. Kenny, Kenny Jones. Jones. I mean, yeah. that was it. Just didn't really work because nobody played the drums like Keith Moon. And the same for Led Zeppelin no. when John Bonham died. They tried. I think they tried. Oh, they never. Stars, son, and they just never really clicked again. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, but you know, Bill Wyman left the Stones, and they've done many, many tours, which have been fantastic without Bill Wyman. Um, but you know, without without Charlie, Charlie was the you know, he really was the 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 the, the engine room. Yes. You know, and um, yeah. And he seems to have been very well loved in the business as well. Well, he was. And, and, and for the first time. I mean, even well, Elton look, John likes him, for heaven's sake. Yeah. If you think of the Beatles and the Stones, you know, that was our bands. And, you know, the last time either mem a member of either band died was George Harrison. Yeah. You know, so that was a long time ago. Mm. And, uh, and a member of the Stones, you know, the last time a member of the Stones died was Brian Jones. Yes. So, um, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's quite, it's quite, and especially now they're dying of old age, Mike. I know. Well, I mean, I was, listening, I was listening to um, Philip Norman this morning talking about um, about um, Charlie because he'd written a book about him and he said, you know, yeah. he, when in, in his 20s, um, 
they they were basically saying we don't know how long this is going to last and you know here they here they are he's and he died at the age of 80 it's a it's a lifetime career mm. you know it's uh it's fantastic it really is great it really is now i can't let you go without talking about your beloved chelsea um oh they're looking it's great looking, looking quite good this year i suppose you must be heartbroken at arsenal start to the season <laughs> oh it's so sad for arsenal isn't it? So <laughs> i feel I, I feel bad for piers morgan Oh dear, yes, I know. But you know, are they going to come back? No, Chelsea have got the missing, the missing piece of the jigsaw. Mm. And uh, look, hey, that missing piece of the jigsaw could get injured, and we're, we're back to where we were, not scoring goals. But at the moment, it's going to be great. It's going to be Lukaku against Van Dyke this yes. weekend. Yes, you know, and that's that's good. You know, you've got maybe the best. The best forward in the world against the best central midfield, uh, yes. central defender in the world. Yeah. And isn't it funny how Lukaku has suddenly become that player? Or well, not suddenly, but I mean, it's taken him quite oh. a long time to get there. Yeah. Well, he's he has everything because he's really, really, he's not just a, a dumb footballer. You know, he he studies as well as he studies the fitness, he studies the history of football. The man speaks seven languages. Mm. You know, he is... He's 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 the and he's a leader as well. It's yeah. not like he speaks all that stuff, but he's a little bit like can't talk to people. Mm. You know, I think he's quite he's quite um, friendly to everyone as well and a leader. Yes, absolutely. So, yes, it, it's great times being a Chelsea supporter at the moment. Yeah, I think so. And and what about the COVID business? What's that like in Bali at the moment? Well, it's uh, in, the whole of Indonesia is just past its peak, mm. but it, we had it worse than, you know, everyone knows someone who died. Uh, vaccinations are still slow. Right. I mean, I'm, I have to say the, 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 the British model of, of vaccinating as many people as possible and then allowing people to catch it seems to be much better than the Australian model, which is just well, that's trying just to... Gone. Australia's just gone off the scale crazy, hasn't it? It really is, you know. I mean, you, you're never going to stop this virus coming out, but uh, you know, vac- I'm vaccinated up. I'm I'm good to go. I've had COVID, and it was not nice. No, well, listen. Hopefully, uh, once I can get out of here, I'll come and see you in Bali because that sounds like quite a nice place. Oh, it's fantastic! Your 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 villa is um, <laughs> is here. I, I have two villas here. Splendid. Well, listen. Well, well I'll, let, I'll let you know as soon as I uh, get myself a, a weekend <laughs> off. I'll be there. Great to talk to you, oh. Steve. Thank you very much indeed. Steve Lily White there reporting in from Bali, of all places. I'll tell you what, we get some very glamorous guests on this show, don't we? Imagine living in Bali. I've got a villa waiting for me there. Maybe I'll just take the rest of the week off and head off. Can I do that? Boris says no, apparently. Probably on the red list, right? Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.